Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Stitchford Tiles. If you want to do some tiling, you don't know where to go. Just one name that you really ought to know. Tiles and grout, spreader and your glue, get it all at Stetchford Tile. Big ones, small ones, patterned or plain. If you call in once, you'll have to call again. Your one-stop shop, where you got the lock, get it all at Stetchford Tile. Get it all at Stetchford Tile. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced me growing up in 1980s and 1990s Birmingham. I look at them today as well, see how I feel about them. Maybe I've changed my opinion of them over time. This week, I'm looking at the song No Prayer for the Dying, which is track three on the No Prayer for the Dying album. Last week, I looked at track two, which was Holy Smoke. And uh, yeah, I had some comments on the show. You may remember that I told you that Holy Smoke was a phrase like an exclamation of shock or surprise or wonder. And this interested people. And I mentioned a few other examples. And loads of people got in touch offering their own examples. Here's some of them. Golly gosh. Goody goody gumdrops, as Nico said in Adrian's book. Someone said, holy mackerel. Uh, And then they said, mackerel is a fish. Well, I know mackerel's a fish. Anyway, that's enough of those, so uh, let's move on. I had Colin Gage on Facebook comment that the Boba Fett episode mentioned by Effortful Tweets, where the Tuscan Raiders did the Wrathchild dance, that episode was actually called Stranger in a Strange Land. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yet more links. Maybe they should have danced like how Adrian did in the video for Stranger in a Strange Land. That sort of swaying with a guitar that he was so proud of. Anyway... Back to No Prayer for the Dying. And if you were listening closely at the start, you'll have realised that this is the title track. So that's good, isn't it? It must be good. Let's find out. Let's start with the title. No Prayer for the Dying. What could this mean? Well, I think it means that if you're going to die, perhaps no amount of praying can save you or change your fate. Basically, there's going to be a stage in your life where it's too late to do anything and praying might not help. It could also be a description of someone who's quite down on their luck and then there's no hope. Things are just getting worse. Like when you're on free dinners at school and you've got a queue outside the secretary's office for your weekly dinner tickets and everyone's staring at you and Scruffy Taylor standing there and then you know you've only got £1.23 on the ticket which is just enough for a plate of chips and beans, a pudding and a calypso drink. I mean you could add money to this to get more but I'm not Scruffy Taylor. I don't have a racket where I write lines for naughty boys at a discount price. I have to make do with these tickets and hope I don't lose them. I have to watch Scruffy Taylor with his extra jam donut, and this wasn't nice, and I felt that there was no prayer for me. To make matters worse, my mum got a job as a dinner lady there. Not like the ones that serve you, like the fat pudding lady, or the nanny one who poured out the custard and the gravy from the metal jugs, and you hoped that she'd pour out the right thing on the right meal. No. My mum was on playground duty. But rather than walk around the playground telling girls off or banning kiss chase, she just placed herself at the edge of the playing fields where it backed onto some shops. I remember that she was there all the time chatting to some builders. I think they were the same ones who did the extension at the back of the house. Anyway, her being there in, in the school made my lunchtime even more traumatic. I was teased. And there was times when I wondered if Iron Maiden were the answer. I tried to stop Fiona Gregory from talking to her. Not because we were dating and I thought it was too soon for her to meet the parents. It was just because her dad was still coming round now and again. 
But that stopped after the extension was put in. Well, I guess you're not here for that, are you? You're here for the song. And uh, it starts off quite nice. Quite gentle sounding intro. A bit like Infinite Dreams. Infinite Dreams seems a bit fuller though, somehow. A bit bigger in the sound. We get the vocals coming in quite early, and straight away you can hear there's a growlier, raspy-sounding Bruce on these. Um, he says, There are times when I've wondered, and times when I've cried. So straight away, he's talking about thinking about things, which is important. He's actually questioning about life, religion and death. Although, of course, it's probably not Bruce's words, because Steve Harris wrote them, so it might be about a character or another person. And we'll find out later that they're possibly close to death. As this is going on, it seems okay, sounds quite nice. Although I think the snare drum sounds like it's in a garage. But if you ask me a question, would I tell you the truth? Now there's something to bet on. First one goes through, and just as we get into verse two, there's like a nice instrumental gap between them. And I like this, and it leads in quite nicely. And there's a nice twin lead bit as well. The second verse starts with a line. When I've sat by the window and gazed at the rain. And that's quite wistful, isn't it? Looking out of, of a window. And it reminds me a bit of Adrian looking out of his plane down at the Sea of Madness when he's sort of flying so high on wings above. At the end of the verse, the growly vocal sort of gains in intensity, as he says, and never feeling the pain. And this is a reflection of the final line in the first verse where he says, I've got nothing to lose. Now in the past, I've tried to emulate some of the vocals in Iron Maiden and some of the harmonies, and I've had some success. There's uh, Dennis Stratton's high harmonies. Uh, I've tried holding a note nearly as long as Bruce does. And I've even whistled some intros. Uh, yeah. Despite my confidence being quite high in this area, I'm not going to try and do this sort of crocodile vocal. Um, but I thought I might get a friend to help. And I knew just the person. And this might please both of his fans. So, so yeah, I'm now going to go and have a live Teams chat. That's Microsoft Teams. Uh, they're not a sponsor. I'm just mentioning them so you know what Teams is. Here he is. Hello. It's a welcome back to Pterodactyl Mark. You're on mute. I can't hear you. You, you, you need to press the mute button. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Now, there's no point in speaking. You need to... Oh. There we go. Hello, Wayne. Hello. Hello. Nice to see nice you. To see you. Oh. Oh. Now, now I can hear an echo. You either need you to either go, need on, to mute go on mute when I'm, when I'm speaking or just put or some just headphones, headphones on or something. On something. Okay. Well, well would I just, sit, just there? sit there? If I press space, I think it mutes it. Right, he's just got up. So I assume he's gone to get headphones. So, oh, he's still got that poster up of that woman, that tennis lady scratching her bottom. I suppose I can say arse now, uh, thanks to Yannick in this series. Uh, I'm just waiting for him. I suppose I'll have to edit this rubbish out. Right, okay, here he is. I can confirm he's now back. 
and he sat down with his headphones. Right, that's better. So can you hear me okay? Can you, can you speak rather than doing a thumbs up? Uh, that doesn't work on a podcast. You're on mute again. Click the icon in the top right. No. no press spacebar then like before. I think I've done it. Finally. Right. Now, I thought I'd do something different for the listener and have you back. Listener? Have you only got one? No, I've got, no, I've got loads. It's just a broadcasting trick where you make the individual listening feel special and that you're talking directly to them. Ah, oh, right. Although I imagine several have turned off in the last few minutes. Ah, uh, sorry. All I wanted was for you to sing that line in the song, No Prayer for the Dying. You know, I've got nothing to lose. Like Bruce does. So I thought that your voice might be more suited to it. I hope you're not implying my voice sounds like a pterodactyl. No? Well, well pterodactyls don't speak, do they? Even on the telly? Alright, well I'll give it a go. Okay. I've got nothing to lose. Okay, thanks for that. Hopefully that'll impress the listener. A bit of an extra rasp there, which I can't emulate. Is that it? Don't you want to chat? I love this album. No, thank you. Maybe another time. Right, we're moving on. Um, Yeah, as I said, the lyrics suggest that Bruce wants answers from God. He says, if you would tell me what my life means. So he's sort of questioning what's gone before. So if he's about to die, he's lived a life. But what was it all for? It's a bit similar to Hallowed Be Thy Name. Someone close to death, aren't they? Although they're on death row, um, perhaps resigned to their fate. But again, they're hoping God can save them rather than provide answers. After the verses, again, the song goes back to that intro sound, which is all right. And then, at last, the tempo increases. And before it gets to the solos, there's a more urgent bit. And again, this reminds me of Hallowed Be Thy Name. Listen to this. And here's Hallowed Be Thy Name. After this, we do get the solo, which is great. Um, It's quite chaotic. Uh, It doesn't sound like a horse this time, but there is a sort of a howl element to it, and that perhaps reflects the anguish with the theme of the song and the the state of mind of the protagonist. There's some nice dramatic drum rolls as well to bring the point home. And then the end section, it took me a while to take to, um, because I think that... The vocal is a bit messy and perhaps even clumsy at times. It doesn't sound quite in control. But then this perhaps adds to the chaos. Uh, he says, God, give me the answer to my life. And maybe that is that sort of desperate delivery. That That's probably right, isn't it, for the lyric? And after this, it sort of slows down. And then it ends. And then Nico makes this strange noise. Although this might technically be the start of the next song. It was never clear on the vinyl. We had that issue, didn't we, at the end of Back in the Village, where they tacked the opening to Power Slave on at the end of the song for the CD. But on vinyl, it all flows together. So it's hard to tell, unless you sort of put a magnifying glass up to the grooves and see if you can work it out. But I don't recommend this. Just just sit back and relax and enjoy the music, will you? Even if it is part of track four, which I'll cover next week, Having this laugh at the end of a serious song seems quite strange. Maybe it ruins it. Wherever it ends, it's only 4 minutes 23. 
which seems quite short, doesn't it, for an album title track. And if we look at the ones to date, only Iron Maiden, the first one, has been shorter. Because of this, it doesn't feel as epic as perhaps other title tracks are. I mean, really, there's only two verses and then this end section. And perhaps, again, you could compare that to Hallowed Be Thy Name, the structure. Um, but in that, of course, there's a longer instrumental section, which makes it epic. And I know that's not a title track before people write in and complain. And I'll get to title tracks later. As a result of the song being short, I wondered if this made it a disappointment, and perhaps that makes me like it less than other songs. Maybe the fact of it being a title track gave me false expectations. And yeah, as a result, I thought this was the worst album title track to date. And, and perhaps I still do. This is their sixth title track at this point, assuming you don't count Caught Somewhere in Time, which you shouldn't. I wondered if I was alone in this, and then I perhaps thought it was a good question anyway, so I went on Twitter and asked people, is this the worst title track on an Iron Maiden album ever? Not just up to this point, which I think it is. Now in the tweet, I mentioned the least favourite title track, yet some people didn't read it properly, and they complained that No Prayer for the Dying was being given a hard time. And then they gave some examples of weaker tracks that weren't title tracks. This was annoying. And then some of their friends, who don't follow me, saw that rather than the original tweet, joined in and did the same, not reading my question. It was quite hard to manage and quite frustrating. And I felt like Mr Douglas, the supply teacher, who came into class now and again, and everyone messed him about, hiding the board duster and slamming desks. He couldn't control us, and I couldn't control this conversation, which I thought had come from a simple question. Maybe I should have used capital letters to emphasise the title track bit in the tweet. But I'm not from Texas, and I'm not shouting. I'm not shouting. Despite this, a lot of people assumed I meant this is the worst track ever, um, which I don't think. And some people said, oh, it's not even the worst track on the album. And then some said what they thought was, which is interesting, but this isn't what I asked. Someone just said, holy smoke, and, and nothing else. So I ignored them. And then someone typed a response that said, where do I begin? And then they just didn't begin. So I sat there waiting for them to follow it up. But yeah, nothing. So I just went to bed. From the people who answered correctly, well done. And it was interesting to see other songs get mentioned as least favourite title track. Nobody said Killers or Power Slave, which is good. Because if they did, they'd probably get a Twitter ban. There's no Number of the Beast, no mention of Brave New World. But I think all of the others did. A few said Senjutsu, which is fair enough, but uh, maybe it's too soon to say this and compare it with the others. Some people were quite surprised with other people's responses. Someone even said Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, which made me very unhappy. And I had to have my 11 o'clock snack early at 10.37 to calm down. Villa from Finland, or Will, I don't say his name, sorry if you're listening, he defended No Prayer for the Dying, saying it's a bit rough and raw, but it gets more Tom Tit than it deserves. I mean, he didn't say Tom Tit, of course, but I'm, I'm not saying what he really said. And there's no Yannick this week, so uh, you, you, you probably already know this because you look out for the E, don't you, on the uh, episode description. There's no E, so you know Yannick won't be here. Although maybe one week he won't swear, and that'll fool us all. Anyway, this song, yeah, I think it is the worst title track so far. And worse than Iron Maiden, which quite a few people said. I mean, I think there it is tough because they're hard songs to compare. And I have to take into account the different eras. Um, you know, I've got to look over the fact that they play it live every show and it's older. 
And maybe fans would prefer them to play No Prayer for the Dying Live due to the novelty factor, but something about the opening riff of Iron Maiden that makes it a classic. No Prayer for the Dying, to me, just blends in with a lot of other songs. Looking at the live history, it's been played live over a hundred times. And if I compare the title tracks, only The Final Frontier has been played less, mainly because of the amount of dates on each of those tours. And I know Senjutsu hasn't been played yet before I get any complaints. I was quite surprised because it's not been on a live album, so I've never actually heard it live. So there's the beauty of YouTube. So guess what I did? Yeah, I went on YouTube and listened to it. And uh, I found, well, I just picked some at random. There's one from someone called Louis Maiden, or Louis Maiden. Um, and it's like a fan phone video, really. I'm not sure of the location. 1990, though, an early, early one. It's quite funny, though, because at the beginning, Bruce thanks the audience for their support in the first 10 years and says that, here, we'll give you another 10 years, which gets cheers, of course, but uh, that hasn't aged well, has it? Uh, not for Bruce, anyway, uh, even though the band still carried on. So, yeah, the reaction to the songs, yeah, not not too enthusiastic. The crowd cheer, but yeah, they're probably probably thinking, aren't they? Oh, this is the worst title track so far. Could uh, we have Alexander the Great, please? But, yeah, looking at it, it's, it's quite interesting. Watch Bruce's fashion's pretty bad, but uh, the vocals actually really good. Um, yeah, the focus is a bit on Dave, and he's playing it as if it's not much effort. And certainly at the beginning, it's not one to run around to, is it? Or dance like a He-Man figure. But then it kicks in and gets more interesting. I had a look at another one just to see if there was any difference and I found one in Philadelphia in 1991 which has got a better sound quality. And uh, I think it's quite a rewarding listen and uh, that's good, isn't it? Because it's a song that I've never been too bothered about and it was nice to hear it in this form and maybe it is better live and people haven't really appreciated it because it's not readily available. The early 90s were quite a funny time for rock. I felt that Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi had peaked and despite this, Iron Maiden were trying to be a bit more like that than Iron Maiden. And I'm only saying this because of Bruce's raspy vocal, really. And I think this was also supposed to be part of that more basic sound they were looking to get. But it took me a while to get used to. So this song, I don't know, I see mixed opinions about it online, but it's not one I'm that fussed about. It's funny looking back at old clips of the 90s, because to me it doesn't seem that long ago. But people look quite different now, if you think about it, and perhaps on the telly with their hair and fashion. <laughs> and some of the adverts are quite funny, haven't they? They've dated a bit. I found some on YouTube as well. You know, People put them on, don't they, for nostalgia? So you can see things like the Fruit and Fibre advert or Kiora. <laughs> anyway, here's an interesting one I found, which was advertising this compilation album at the time. Time Life Music presents... Cut, cut, cut. Tell me something. You can't play a bass. Listen to the 90s with Nico. You can't play a drum. Boy, can. Time Life Music brings you a special take of this dance decade of music in one ultimate collection. Everybody shake your stuff. Nico here and I'm Street Tap. Start with 24 hits from 90s artists at the TV offer price of just $4.99 plus here postage and packing. It's your joiny. I know what I want and I want it now. I want you, because I'm Nico. I know what I want and I want it now. I want you, because I'm Mr. McBrain. It's the best in 90s music and it's not available in the shops. Then audition other volumes from this collection of 90s hits with no obligation to buy. 
Call free on 0800 444 now and order Listen to the 90s with Nico, Volume 1, at this special introductory price. Give Trevor a ring. Let's see what he's been doing. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. What's going on? What? What's going on? What you what have you been up to? Oh, that's better. I got confused when he said what's going on. Well, I thought it was pretty clear. Well, well yeah, but it's just changed, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I've had an issue with that this week. I thought I'd been clear in my tweets, but uh, some people have been answering the wrong question. But I won't, but I won't keep going on about that. Well, I saw those tweets, and uh, I wondered. If the best way to decide the worst or best title track was to use a, a deck of top trumps. Oh, of course. Okay, well, what would the categories be? I think music, solos, lyrics, vocal, and Trevor's vibe. Okay, but surely the point of top trumps is that you win all the cards. You don't have like a losing card, do you? And you might as well just have the categories you've just said on like a list and then look at it and then see which is the worst. Oh, yeah. So, if you've got if you've done this, are there any categories where No Prayer for the Dying beats Killers? No. Not even Trevor's Vibe? No, it doesn't. So if I had that card against you in that scenario, it wouldn't be any good, would it? Yeah, it would. I'd win. No, I mean the game. I'm saying it, it doesn't settle the discussion as a game. I mean, the cards might do as, as a list. Okay. All right, well, anyway, we're on the song No Prayer for the Dying, so what do you think about it? Yeah, I like it. I can sense the turmoil in it, that questioning about life and trying to find a purpose. Why am I dying? What have I achieved? Why am I dying before I've achieved it? Are you still talking about the song? Yeah, and I think a lot of people are questioning that at the moment. There's a lot of meaningless deaths or pointless deaths and lots of questions. I feel this gives the song extra weight. Okay. That big question, it's age old, isn't it, throughout literary history? Is it in Dr Faustus? Maybe, but it reminds me more of the questions that Levin's asking at the end of Anna Karenina. Eh? Constantine Levin in Anna Karenina. He wonders what it's all about, doesn't he? He's reflecting on life and religion. He's not dying though, really, but the book's about to end. Okay. I think we've all gazed out of the window, haven't we, looking at the rain? Well, yeah, I imagine. Sometimes I've looked into windows, gazing in while standing in the rain, from the other side. Is this some sort of metaphor or something, or are you on about when you sometimes watch people's televisions from the front garden? Maybe a bit of both. All right, well, something I've discussed is Bruce's vocal. It's a bit, bit different, isn't it? Maybe it's been different for the whole album so far, so how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, maybe I do prefer his earlier work. I don't mind it now and again, and I felt it was quite a nice mix on the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son album. You know, sometimes there was his normal vocal and a bit of gruff. A bit of gruff? Yeah, and perhaps in hindsight it does suit this album, though, but at the time I wasn't sure. And in this song I think the vocal stands out too much. 
All right, well, uh, any poems about it? Yeah. Okay. When you're ready. There are times when I've wondered what happened to that mustard-yellow tank top, a smorgasbord of smells, a story of stains, freely how it dwells while I am bound in chains. Now I see it flapping, guided by the wind, crossing borders, a flag on someone else's mast, while I am the badge nobody wants pinned, a relic of a forgotten past. Okay, so it sounds like it might be quite clever, but essentially it's about a tank top. Yeah, there's some clever elements. Uh, I thought you'd like the alliteration, smorgasbord of smells, a story of stains. And I had some of that last week with the fear in the face of firemen and the hose in hand, but uh, no one commented on it. No? Well, maybe that's not a surprise. So you've lost a tank top, and then at the end you say it's probably made its way across the world. Yeah, a flag on someone else's mast. That might mean someone else is wearing it. Okay. But it's quite sad at the end, though, isn't it? You're talking about you're a badge nobody wants pinned. Yeah, well, I'm wondering, while gazing out of the window in the rain, about my life. Maybe the tank top's my life, or my soul, or my love life. You know, how it's changed, and I wonder about it, but I also wonder about the tank top. Okay, well, thank you for that. Uh, how's your book going? Yeah, still selling copies. It's good news. I've sent them out now as well, so hopefully people are getting them. Good. Next week we've got Public Enema Number 1, so, uh, yeah, I'll uh, leave you to think about that. And thanks for a more detailed review of the song this week, so that's good, so keep that up. People will be pleased. And it's good news because you and Pterodactyl Mark have appeared in the same episode. Oh, is he in it? Yeah. And, but that's good, though, because some listeners were speculating that you and him were the same person because you've never appeared in the same episode at the same time. So, yeah, it's good, though, isn't it? It's a bit like that jigsaw comment I had the other week as well, saying that the jigsaws were the same and clearly they were different. Well, they'll still say that, won't they? Because we've not appeared at the same time. He's not in this conversation. He was earlier in the show, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, it's still a, a treat, I, I think, um, that, that you've both appeared in the same episode. Because, of course, there was uproar in the Sea of Madness episode. So hopefully everyone's happy. So, yeah, all right, well, thanks for that, and I'll uh, speak to you next week. OK, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Right, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram. I've got a Ko-Fi page, ko-fi.com forward slash wimp. I do put some extra content on the Ko-Fi, which is generally like blogs or opinions. Um, yeah, just a few extras. And uh, yeah, this week I did one. I did a post on it about uh, the least popular song on each album based on the number of downloads my episodes have had. And I did this because last week I mentioned that Innocent Exile was one of the least downloaded episodes. So I thought that might be a guide, a sort of way of seeing what, what might be trending low for Iron Maiden fans. So maybe the number of downloads in my episodes reflects general opinion of Iron Maiden songs. I thought this would be interesting, so I wrote a thing about it, listing the least popular episode in each series or each album. I did tweet about it as well, linking to the article, because I thought it might be interesting. But again, like the title track tweet fiasco, I had some people annoyed that I was saying that these songs were the worst on the albums, 
People were getting defensive. Now, I wasn't saying this, but I had people frothing at the mouth who weren't reading the tweet properly or the article. I think social media has created a world of skim readers. They're not paying attention. They're just taking a a bit from it and going off on it and and talking about it. I wonder if people skim listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's, that's probably happening, isn't it? Although maybe people skip the poems. Now, people might say that these supposed least popular songs aren't their personal least favourite, and that's okay. It's their opinion. But I wasn't saying that this was the law and it's the final say in the matter. It was just a bit of fun, examining the data and the downloads from my podcasts. Maybe people saw the title, Least Popular Songs of the 80s, and assumed it was one of those list pieces created to generate arguments. And it wasn't. People should read the article, not just the title. I mean, someone even tweeted about Run Silent, Run Deep and Monsegur. I mean, these aren't even 80s songs. And he said they'd blow his balls off. I mean, is that good or bad? I don't know anymore. I might have to order the book Twitter for Dummies to understand all this. How does this happen? It's getting out of control. I mean, this would be like me asking, if the parchment was a pudding, what would it be? And someone saying, I don't like puddings. So I changed pudding to train journey or something. And then giving me a train journey that the parchment reminds them of somehow. How, what, how am I supposed to react to this without getting in a bad mood and, and it reflecting badly on me and the podcast? So it's not been a good week on social media. Maybe I'll just use that TikTok. I believe they're more appreciative of dance moves on that. On Facebook, though, I've just had some news in since the beginning of the show. I've had Colin Gage get back in touch to say that the Boba Fett episode called Stranger in a Strange Land was actually the first one in the series not the one with the dancing in. So that's nice that he's addressed his errors, unlike those other people. Luckily, well, I might sound a bit annoyed about all this, I'm not. My mum's friend Christine came round and she said, perhaps people haven't quite understood my tweet or the article due to the global appeal of the podcast. Maybe they read it in other countries without my grasp of English and maybe it didn't translate well. So I might have to think about this. But yeah, it, it goes on. I sent a tweet this week to someone who'd used something called Twitter Spaces. They'd done a, a, a Twitter space about podcasting. And this is like a Zoom or a Teams chat on Twitter. And I asked them, how did they find using it? And she sent me a screen print on how to locate spaces on Twitter, how to sort of start one off. But I knew where to find it. I wasn't asking that. I, I wondered how she found using it. Um, you know, like, was it a success or not? Um, but, you know, even when... She came back. It was hard for me not to react uh, and even perhaps use capital letters to shout. But I remained polite and mildly upbeat. But uh, other comments I've had on social media, I had uh, someone say that Trevor seemed concerned about the effects of Aldi on the local supermarket gateway. But uh, what about Power Save, uh, the shop he wrote a poem about in the Power Slave episode? That's a good question. And I can't remember how it did affect Power Save. I don't know if they sold beans, but, but I'm sure Trevor would know. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll ask him, but... I think I've done enough about supermarkets, and that's enough from social media as well. You may remember that this episode was about No Prayer for the Dying, the song, and you might get the impression from what I've said that I'm not keen. And while the first two tracks have been a fair standard, you know, 7 out of 10, maybe 8, I think this is around the same area, but it's not a song God picked to play out of context. I think it's on the cusp of being something more impressive, but I feel they don't explore it enough. I think it's too short, and that sounds strange, doesn't it, when you consider how their songs are structured today. So yeah, so it's not bad, 
but as a title track, I still maintain it's a bit disappointing. Next week, I'm looking at Public Enema number one, which I'm already angry I've had to say such a bad title out loud. So I hope you can join me next week and uh, see if uh, I'm in a better mood. But yeah, okay, well, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you.